Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Have you ever struggled to find the right job only to get passed over because you didn't interview well or know how to position yourself correctly? Or have you stayed in the wrong job because you were afraid to take a leap of faith and pursue your dream? Well, in today's episode, Sarah Johnston shares her own journey of struggle being in roles that were not a good fit for her, and how, even after she landed jobs that aligned to her interests, her self-doubt and limiting beliefs got in the way of her achieving more, until she finally pushed past her fears and became the briefcase coach, helping countless clients land roles at top companies like Google, Deloitte, Medtronic, and more. Sarah Johnston is a former corporate recruiter and industry insider who got tired of seeing talented high achievers get passed over for opportunities simply because they did not know how to position themselves effectively. Sarah has been featured in Inc., BBC, Business Insider, and named a LinkedIn top voice in 2019 and a top to follow by JobScan in 2019 and 2020. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, I'm so excited as well, Nikki. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, I think our listeners are going to gain so much from everything you have to offer, your wisdom, your experience, and your coaching today. So let's uh, jump right in and tell us what you do. I am the founder of The Briefcase Coach. And simply put, I help high performers land top jobs at companies that they're excited to work for. I've had the privilege of working with um, vice presidents, CEOs, and just some really cool people who are doing great things um, and on mission. And it's just been a real honor to, to do the work that I've gotten to do over the last few years. That's awesome. So how did you get started down this path? Were you, you know, you were in recruiting um, before this. I was in recruiting and actually kind of if I go back to the beginning of, of my career, I started my, you know, my career during that, the last recession back in 2008. And despite being a high performer and a student leader, I struggled to find a job out of college. I did all the right things. I built a target company list. I networked my tail off. I did informational interviews, but ultimately I took a job where I was underemployed. Mm. I was in a recruitment role, which was a target of mine, but I was often asked to do things that were not in my job description, and like, like walk my boss's dog or manage the phone lines, mm. which was just really, really frustrating for me as, as a performer. In the thick of, of this, I realized that just being a hard worker doesn't mean you'll get opportunities that you want, and that sometimes it means you have to create that opportunity. Um, fast forward 10 years, I was working for the largest children's hospital in the country as a healthcare recruiter. And it really dawned on me that my special sauce is that I can help people see the best version of themselves, better articulate their value and tell their career stories so they can land better jobs. Um, and it, it was something that 
it took me a while to own myself. My friends had always known that about me. They'd always asked me to do this, but it wasn't until um, I believed in myself that I started the path of being a business owner. Wow. I love that uh, you described your, what I would call a superpower as um, being able to see uh, the best in someone else. How did you go about discovering that? It's a great question. I, I think for me, it was a personal inventory of what are my strengths? What do people always ask me to do? Where, where did they, what's my special sauce? And throughout my career, even back to college, I was really good at helping people get ready for interviews or great at reviewing people's resumes or giving them a confident pep talk before they did a big meeting or had a big meeting. And so I realized that I've been doing all the things already. Nobody had paid me for those things. And so um, it was, it was kind of putting myself out there and it was after just assessing where my friends found my value and where I found my energy as a person realized that my strength was in helping people see the best version of themselves. And I love entrepreneurship. I love building something from the ground up. I love a challenge. And I knew I needed to be working for myself. I knew that I couldn't keep working for someone else that I needed to do it on my own and build something for myself. Now, were you um, ever scared when you considered that because you had a corporate job and, um, you know, it's often scary to uh, leave the safety and security of a job with a well-known organization and then take a leap of faith on yourself. Um, what was that like? Did you struggle with any kind of fears or limiting beliefs? Absolutely. I, I look back now and kind of laugh. I actually bought the domain name for my website two <laughs> or three years before I actually launched my business. Wow. I, I struggled with imposter syndrome. I, I think the biggest thing for me was what would, what will people think about me? What will they think of me if I do this? And, um, you know, I kind of going back to the beginning, that first job that I got where I was overqualified for it. And, mm. um, that, that role, I, I had a, learned a lot about grit in that job mm. and learned a lot about perseverance. And so kind of borrowing, you know, in the, the talk before this podcast, you and I were talking a little bit and you said something that stuck out to me and, and it just really resonates. Every obstacle is a path of opportunity. And that's, that's one of your lines. And I think that was so true for me mm. that, you know, the career or the, you know, the, the stuff that had happened before I launched my business really prepared me for being in business for myself. Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, often we worry so much about what someone else will think about us and how they might judge us or the criticism, both within our own minds as well as someone else's, you know, they become huge obstacles for us to overcome and just follow our heart and do what's right for us. So um, what were some of those um, um, things that you were concerned about that people would judge you for, you know, in terms of quitting your job and starting on your own? I, I thought how, I thought people would say, how is she qualified to give this advice? Mm. How, how is she going to pay her bills doing this? Who is going to respect her advice and guidance? I mean, all these fears just like boiled up 
and I, and I started assessing the worst case scenario. Like what is the worst case scenario if I launched my business? Mm-hmm. And then ultimately I re- realized that not moving forward was worse than failure, worse than my friends thinking, you know, who is she? And, um, I, I heard somebody and I, I don't know who owned this quote, but they said, action is the enemy of fear. And so I just started taking small actionable steps towards this goal of, of running my business. And every time I took a step forward, it was just kind of relieving. It was like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? People are being supportive or I am pretty good at this. <laughs> you know, I am helping people. Yeah. There's no better way to build confidence than simply taking action. It's so powerful just when you keep taking one step after the next. And before you know it, you've overcome whatever was holding you back. So, um, Sarah, tell me more about Briefcase Coach. And I specifically would love to dig into, you know, some of the things that you observe from that. So first, let's um, talk about what kind of things you do with Briefcase Coach. So I am a job search strategist. I help people prepare for interviews help them get interview ready. I also um, write resumes and help people tell their career story. And then I help people strategically think about their job search so that they're not doing the same things over and over again, getting the same results. I help them break through and get stronger results in a job search. Now, One of the things um, I noticed, there was a comment about people saying, you know, I wish I'd found you sooner. You know, what are some of the things that hold them back that you're instantly able to get them past that hurdle? 80% of people spend the majority of their job search time on job boards. And this can be an applicant tracking system black hole because you don't know what the recruiter's thinking. I think the stat is less than 1% of the people who apply for a job online get called in for an interview. And if you're a high performer, if you're that executive candidate, 60 to 70% of executive jobs are landed through networking. So mm-hmm. if you're spending all of your time on job boards, you're not going to get the results that you want in your job search. So one um, kind of philosophy that I have that I believe in. And I heard this from a sales coach. His name is Jerry Maguire. And he said, um, different is better than better. Mm. And I think this is applicable to the job search job seekers who do things differently, who target their resumes for the jobs, make it very clear that you are positioning for the opportunity job seekers to leverage their network, to find decision makers, to have conversations with, about the opportunity are much more likely to get an employee referral or find an internal champion who will bring their resume to the top of the stack. And then job seekers who create content on LinkedIn and position themselves as thought leaders are going to be the first that come up in search algorithms or for on recruiters' minds when they're thinking of that right candidate. So really what you're describing is the power of Um, your own personal brand and your story and being able to not only open doors um, for key relationships, but also to attract those opportunities to yourself as opposed to chasing something. Absolutely. You nailed it. 
So I'm curious, I mean, you have this unique vantage point of observing a lot of different types of leaders and in different industries as you're helping them throughout you know, their uh, job search process. What are some of the common traits you see in candidates that uh, are extremely successful or those high performers that are very successful? Oh, I love that you asked me this question. So I, for every person that does hires me to write their resume, I spend 90 minutes on the phone with them, sometimes two hours, getting their career story. And I ask every single person that I get their career story from, what's your why? Why do you mm -hmm. work as hard as you do? And what's your secret sauce? And the answers for the, these questions are for, for the high performers are, are interesting. It's often not about them. They do the work that they do because they love problem solving and they care about create or solving challenges or they want to do it to give back and they mentor and they, they value that human connection mm -hmm. and they want to be able to impact people through their work. I, I was just on the phone last week with a guy and he is, is very well off. He was a vice president of a company that got acquired and he walked away, you know, very well during this situation and is now a, a VP in another company. And I, I'm writing a resume for him just, just to have. And, and I said, so why, why are you, why are you wanting a resume? He said, you know, I, I love the work I do. I'm really comfortable right now, but I can do the job easily. I, I need a new challenge. I need a new problem to solve. I, I crave challenges. And I think that that's something that I find with, with all of my clients. Mm -hmm. That there's a hunger for something bigger and a belief in something even bigger than themselves. Absolutely. That's really powerful. And, and I, you know, that's generally the trait of true leaders anyway. So I think what you're saying is that the most successful candidates and the ones that stand out are great leaders to begin with. And that clarity of their why, you know, the intrinsic motivations, once you get that aligned, you can be quite unstoppable. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so on the flip side of that, you shared the common traits of successful leaders. What about um, any of the common traits of the ones that you find are stuck and whether they're your clients or just generally what you've observed as uh, a recruiter and an expert in this field? What are some of the traits that hold people back? I often see people afraid of asking for help. The people that I've worked with are high performers they've always had opportunities come to them until the moment that they don't and often if we look back on how they got all of their previous jobs it was often through a person or a connection they had a conversation with someone who made an introduction which is how they got an opportunity and so for the people that i'm working with they're often not having enough conversations hmm. they're not having enough conversations where they ask for introductions or they ask for advice. Networking doesn't necessarily mean you're asking for a job. And when I'm advising my clients to do informational interviews or to have networking meetings, I say, don't ask for the job. I say, ask for advice. And then often the job will come. There's a rule um, or a, kind of a saying in the startup world, which I'm sure you've heard is if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. And I think that's really applicable 
to the job search world as well, substituting money for a job. What if you could figure out exactly how to rise up faster in your career? Instead of wasting time on trial and error, imagine being able to pinpoint what's holding you back, where to focus your effort, and how to get results quickly. That's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz is designed to do. You'll get your personalized score based on 25 essential elements to accelerate career success in the digital age. And you'll get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies that'll help you understand how to gain momentum and dominate your career. The Beyond Barriers quiz takes just a few minutes, but it'll save you months of frustration. Go to IamBeyondBarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. I think I've heard a, a variation of that, and I believe that is uh, credited to Pitbull. And the saying goes, if you, when you ask for money, you get advice. When you ask for advice, you get money twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but, you know, and, and I can completely relate because um, in terms of not only building new connections and expanding your network, I think um, there tends to be hesitation worrying about being rejected or not getting what you ask for. Whereas if you simply lead those connections from a place of curiosity and uh, even generosity, then uh, it leads to more powerful relationships. Absolutely. And the other big mistake that I see people make is that they're just not doing enough of it. They, they often say, oh, well, I networked. I had this great coffee meeting. Well, I, you know, in, in some ways, that's, it's a numbers game. It's all about talking to the right person at the right time about the right opportunity. And so one conversation, while one conversation can change the tra- trajectory of your job search, often you need many conversations. And some research indicates that for for most job seekers, they need to have an average of 42 decision-maker conversations. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I did not know that. 42 decision-maker conversations. Wow. That was um, in the highly effective job search, Orville Pearson. He did a lot of research around this. He's a former um, executive with Lee Heck Harrison, an outplacement firm, and he studied job seekers all over the world and how they conduct job searches. And I think people underestimate how long a job search takes and how many conversations you need to have. Mm. So how would someone who doesn't have a strong enough network, maybe they're really high performing, they're great at what they do, uh, but they just, let's say they're introverted and shy and they just don't have enough of a network. Uh, And yet based on the stat, you know, they get, they have to get to know, you know, a whole bunch of different um, decision makers. What advice would you get, give them in terms of even getting started in terms of uh, developing that network or what options are available to them? Sure. I think I would first assess where you want to head. What's your target? What's your target goal? What do you want your next job to be? And then I would look at who hires people for this role and build out that target company list. And then think about who's doing the job that you want to be doing in the future. And, and literally create yourself a spreadsheet. Look at the people that you know in your network and see if anyone can make an introduction. And often people with small networks have some connectors in their network that they can, they can tap into. But, mm-hmm. but for people who truly have no one in their network, they're, you know, still take a look and, and evaluate if you know anybody who can make that connection. If not, Look at if there's any high-yield conferences in your industry 
over the next 12 months where you might meet one of those individuals in person mm. at a conference that you're going to be going to and see if you can identify if they're going to be a panelist, a speaker, if they're just going to be there. And if you can meet them at that conference, that would be a really easy, natural way to have a conversation with someone. If you are proactive and you set that meeting up in advance, if there's no conference, then I would see if, if, if they're active on LinkedIn, and start following them on LinkedIn and start liking their content. Start engaging with their content. People who put out content are, want people to engage with it, want to have a conversation with you. And so you'll start getting on their radar and they'll start knowing your name. And then you can reach out maybe a month later after you've engaged with a number of things that they've said and ask for a phone conversation. And during this phone conversation, you're not asking for a job. You're not asking for their job. You're just, again, asking for advice. How did they get to where they are? What are some things that they did to set them up for success? What do they wish they had learned along the way that you could be doing now? And is there anyone else that you can be talking to? That's fantastic. Now, if they're not producing content on LinkedIn, if there's no way you could um, get in touch with them, I would say, you know, I've had some clients have success sending emails that are targeted and very personalized, not copy paste emails asking for that meeting. But it is a little bit warmer if you can make that connection point on online through their content first. That's excellent. Thank you. That was um, very, very specific guidance to anyone who's in the situation. And I think just following that formula and that framework can get them quite a ways from not having much of a network to starting to see the results of building out that relationship framework. So thank you for sharing that. So speaking of LinkedIn, um, that has uh, obviously become the largest professional network today and uh, so critical in terms of your professional brand, your presence, your content, your thought leadership. Um, what are some of the things that someone uh, that in today's day and age is essential for someone to do on LinkedIn? First, I would make sure that your messaging is, is the right messaging. For example, I, I think LinkedIn and pre-2016 Microsoft acquisition, it was more of just a directory of your friends. Now the platform has changed because the algorithm has changed and people are engaging and they're having conversations and it's become, and I'm stealing this word, these words from William Aruda, a digital first impression. So people are going to your LinkedIn page before they're meeting you in person. And so you want to make sure that your messaging is, is who you are. When you're thinking of your header, which the headline or um, kind of that first statement that someone sees next to your picture, make sure that your headline um, doesn't just say vice president. You want to give them a clear description of who you are and the value that you bring to the table using words that someone would search for for someone like you. And then you also want to make sure that your summary is told from the first person and that it's engaging and keyword rich. Kind of like if you were going to walk into a meeting and meet someone for the very first time and sh shake their hand, what would you tell them? What would you want them to know? What's your unique value proposition? That's amazing. And Sarah, you are recognized as, a, as one of the LinkedIn top voices. So congratulations on that. And that's a Thank huge you. accolade given the size of the LinkedIn community. Um, tell me more about that. And how does that feel? I am so honored to have that honor or that designation this year. It, it's, been, it's been an incredible journey. 
uh, producing content for me has. I started, you know, creating posts as a brand new entrepreneur as a way to get the message of, of what I'm doing and the value that I can bring to individuals. And I started really slowly. I was really intimidated by creating posts. And it used to take me, gosh, I don't even want to admit how long it would take me to, to write a post. But then I, I learned that I could connect with my audience in a very personal way and that I could influence them. Mm-hmm. And that content allows the reader to see the value that you bring and it starts to position you as a thought leader. So I've, I've, I've learned a lot through producing daily. I, I post something almost every business day on LinkedIn and have generated you know, a, a following of people who, who read my career advice. And it's been one of the biggest ROIs for my business and my brand. Yeah, that's uh, phenomenal. I've seen your content and it's really so valuable because it's um, it's not gratuitous in any way. It's very focused on your audience and how you can serve them. And it's very, very generous in terms of, you know, things that will make their lives better. So it, uh, for anyone looking to build out their uh, content strategy and their online or their LinkedIn profile, I think looking at yours is an excellent example of how to do it right. Well, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. And, and I have to say that having that service service mindset has been really key to my success on growing on the platform. Some people mm. at the beginning told me, Sarah, you're giving away too much free information. People are just going to take your free information and they're not going to want to work with you. And I would say it's actually been the opposite for me. People consume my information, all the free content that I put out, and I've built trust with my audience because they have you know, followed me for maybe six months. And then when it's time for them to make a decision about who they want to work with, they've already read my content. They're ready to work with me. I don't have to sell on the phone when we get on a call together. That trust is already there. Mm -hmm. And they already like you and respect you and trust you. And that's the fundamentals of what it takes to uh, win someone's business. So that's excellent. Um, I want to dive into some things about the future of work. Um, as you know, Beyond Barriers, our focus is about helping women professionals get future ready and accelerate the success and through cutting edge content and strategies. And one of the things that uh, we uh, look for are emerging trends. In your position, you have the ability to not only see trends from the talent perspective, but also from the hiring perspective. So what are some of the things that you're seeing or hearing and learning about in terms of um, the trends that will shape the future of work? So before COVID-19, I think that remote work was um, kind of seen as a a luxury that, you know, you can work remotely, you know, one day a week. That was kind of the mentality of many leaders. I think after COVID-19, we're going to see a lot more companies embracing remote work as, you know, the future, the coronavirus is accelerated the future of work. People are realizing that their teams are just as productive as maybe they were before and that it's a great cost-saving measure. I I think speaking as a working mother, um, for for people listening to this podcast who maybe have been told by their boss that, that, that their boss had hesitations about them working from home because of kids and distractions, Mm -hmm. 
think I would start creating a brag list right now of all the things you were able to accomplish during COVID-19 and <laughs> self-containment because for, for maybe your listeners who were like me who found out the day before school closed that you were going to be homeschooling for the rest of the semester, um, you know, I, I've been able to get a lot of stuff done and I've been able to maintain productivity while also maintaining balance with my kids. And so build out that brag list now so that you can demonstrate that you were able to achieve all that you were able to do during this time of self-containment without having the systems in place at home that you have traditionally with school and with childcare and with nannies um, that you would typically do. Yeah, it's incredible how quickly we all adapted to the situation. And when you have no other choice but to move forward, uh, regardless of all the um, barriers along the way, um, it's, it's, uh, it's been awe-inspiring to see so many people sort of juggle so many different things and, uh, and um, it establishes a new normal from there, if it's possible now. Uh, certainly, you know, if there was any concern about digital transformation of businesses or the future of work and remote collaboration, I think all of those, uh, you know, uh, beliefs have been shattered uh, in terms of what's possible. Yes, absolutely. So what is um, your success habit that um, you've not only been practicing, but especially as you think about you continuing to be future ready, because as a business owner, it's essential for you to stay ahead of the curve. Um, what is, what is your favorite success habit? I read every single day, uh, often about an hour a day. I want to know what's new, what's next, what's coming down the pipeline. I think in order to create content, you have to be reading, you have to be learning, but in order to also serve my clients really well and mm. be the very best for the people that I serve, I need to know what's coming down the pipeline. So I'm reading you know, Wall Street Journal, Harvest Business, Harvard Business Review. I'm also looking at uh, Facebook groups. Some of the best information that I get it are industry-specific Facebook groups. Like, for mm. example, Recruiting Brain Food is this little Facebook group of recruiters from all over the world, and people just share really interesting things about the future of work and the future of careers. And I get a lot of great content, a lot of great ideas from that one little Facebook group. But there's other examples just like that of, of ways that I like to learn. That's awesome. What um, can you share perhaps from other people that you've learned as well as your own experiences? What um, advice you would give specifically to help women that are struggling with multitasking and juggling work and home and, um, you know, just focus becomes an issue where there's too many things going on at the same time. What are some effective strategies for that? Being a mother has really shaped a lot of the way that I do business. I live and die by my calendar. So for someone who doesn't have a calendar in place, I highly recommend making that a priority. I've also found some systems that work really well for me, like self-scheduling through Calendly as a business owner is, is really nice. I've also splurged for an assistant. And I realize that for some people who are employed, this may not be you know doable or, or something that you're, you would can make possible, but having some being able to prioritize my time and focus on client work or um, 
business growth work versus just getting in the weeds has, has really been great for my mental health and for the health of the business. So figuring out ways that you can take things off of your plate and not add things to your plate. I love that. I think ultimately so much of what we're able to do comes down to gaining leverage for ourselves, whether it's through having a great assistant or terrific automation and tools or just a systematic way of going about your day. So um, what what do you feel, you know, is um, really going to be key to accelerating success in the digital age? When you think about just the pace of change and everything, especially in a post-pandemic world of what's likely to happen. Uh, if there was one thing you would give advice to all of your clients and say, make sure that you get this nailed down, what is that key? I'm going to go back to basics and say that in the future of work, relationships are still going to be key. And so even as things digital, digitize and automate and, um, you know, we spend more time online, the relationships are what's matter. People hire people. And at the end of the day, if you can build trust and you can build um, collegiality, you will more likely get promoted or you'll get referred for the jobs that you want, or you'll get told about opportunities that are on the horizon. So I would focus my energy on investing in people. That's beautiful. I think that's uh, the fundamentals never change, no matter what changes around us. Um, Sarah, this has been uh, absolutely amazing. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Um, thank you for being on the show and being, again, so generous with your advice and very, very specific guidance to help our audience level up and get future ready fast. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.